friends, welcome back to I Just Want to Talk About the Bible. If this is your first time joining us, then let me just welcome you and say that I'm very glad that you're here. My name is Christian Keeter, and I live in the southeast of the United States of America with my amazing, beautiful, godly wife, Lacey, and our two wonderful daughters, Felicity and Serenity. So this past Saturday, my wife Lacey and I had the opportunity to go to a revival. That was about 40 minutes or so up the road from our house. It was uh, it was in a campground. It wasn't in a church or anything like that. And they had set up a stage and some tents. And there was even a funnel cake truck. So there you go. Although we ourselves did not indulge. And, uh, and so it was the first time that I myself had ever been to anything quite like that. I'd never been to a revival before. Um, it ran for four days, although we... Uh, just went to uh, one of the uh, one of the gatherings, and uh, and I mean I'm, we're glad that we went. It was like I said, the first time I'd ever been to anything quite like that, and there was worship among other things. But why I'm telling you this story is uh, because of something that the speaker said. That at first, you know, I, I saw the point um, that was being made, but I, you know, it, it didn't quite fully land with me until the next morning. And so, um, this, the, I guess it was the main speaker for that evening was on the stage and she started drawing a distinction between empathy and compassion. And, uh, just that these, that these two terms are not synonymous, um, that empathy is content with just feeling with people, like just kind of getting into the emotion with them, but then nothing beyond that, just kind of affirming um, what a person is feeling, but then never actually trying to help them move beyond that, to step out of that, uh, or anything like that. And so I got the point that she was trying to make, and, and, I, and I saw the value of that, although at first I was not really that compelled, to be honest with you, uh, about the, the distinction between these two terms, empathy and compassion. I didn't know if it was just a matter of semantics or something like that. But the next morning... As um, I was just I was thinking about it, and I decided just to uh, consult Google, <laughs> which uh, uh, which can obviously be hit or miss, but about this, and so I just I was I was just sitting there, and so I just pulled out my phone and I just typed in, is there a difference between um, empathy and compassion? And the first thing that came up, I'm gonna I'll read part of a quote. Um, it came up from a, let's see here, the very first uh, thing that came up on Google, part of the quote said, With empathy, we join the suffering of others who suffer, but stop short of actually helping. With compassion, we take a step away from the emotion of empathy and ask ourselves, how can we help? And so that's the end of the quote. They were, they were saying that uh, empathy and compassion were are very different things. Now, I'm not suggesting right now that, you know, you should just obviously believe anything that you read on the internet. Uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln once famously said that we should not believe everything that we read on the internet. And I know he said that because I read that on the internet. Uh, obviously, that's a joke. Uh, for those of you who do not know, Abraham Lincoln, uh, he, let's just say he predated the internet by by a few years. But you get the point. It's, it's uh, anyways, moving on. <laughs> but but the point is this. I looked it up, and although you can't believe every single thing you read on the internet, when I was reading this, when I was looking at it, I just really felt like the Lord, um, I don't know, I just felt like he really kind of 
brought my attention to this, that he, I felt really prompted to lean more into this. And I felt like the Lord was, was saying something here and that there was truth here. And so I wanted to, to see more about this distinction. So let me elaborate a little bit further before moving on about just what the distinction between empathy and compassion even would be. Like I already said, empathy is going to be feeling with someone with what they feel. So empathy is getting in an emotion with somebody. It's feeling with them. And compassion certainly involves feeling on behalf of another. I mean, indeed, the Bible says weep with those who weep, right? And so there's definitely, you know, you feel with people, but compassion moves beyond just feeling to doing. Empathy says, basically, um, I'm going to get in this with you, whereas compassion says, I'm going to get in this with you, and I'm going to do whatever I can to lead you out. Um, Empathy says, I'm just going to feel what you feel, and and compassion says, I'm going to feel what you feel, and then I'm going to try to take you by the hand and help you walk out of this place. I'm going to do anything I can to help you. And so, one of the and one of the points that the speaker was making about empathy is that the uh, the weakness of just stopping at empathy would, of course, be um, getting into an emotion with somebody and then just basically telling them that it's all right. You know, it's like, okay, whatever you're feeling, I want to feel it with you, but I'm not actually going to necessarily take the step of trying to help you change your life. And you know, I mean, love wants what's best for another person, and so. I'm suggesting, and I believe this is what um, you know. these other sources would say as well, is that empathy actually doesn't carry through all the way uh, with love. Empathy is certainly a part of the process. Uh, empathy is certainly a part of love, but you know, it has to carry through to actually, because love is wanting what's best for the other person. It's wanting to do what's best for them. It's not just content to, to feel with someone. It, it wants to, it actually wants to help. Um, in fact, in, uh, in the journal entry that I wrote about this, one of the things I wrote was, don't just feel, help. Don't just feel, help. And, and so let me, um, let me bring some other biblical terminology into this discussion that we actually used in our previous episode about love, and that's grace and truth. Grace and truth. And just as a brief recap, grace without truth is just total enablement. It's just trying to, you know, comfort somebody and say, you know, the nice things that are, are good to hear and offer um, just as much comfort as we can. But, you know, and then and then truth without grace is just being, you know, brutal, just hitting people over the side of the head with truth, saying things in ways that's really hard to receive. I don't want to reteach all that. You can go back and listen to the previous episode about love. But when you combine grace and truth, that's what Jesus is like. He, it says he is full of grace and truth in John chapter 1. And so what I'm saying is, Empathy in and of itself is just grace. It's just grace, but you have to move beyond just grace to the truth to help the person as well. And see, compassion, compassion is where is a place where these two things meet, grace and truth. We see grace and truth coming together. So I um when I read that online, again, I felt like the Lord is really, you know, um, uh, inviting me to lean into this and to look into this more. And so I went to the scriptures and I looked up, um, I used blueletterbible.org, which is a website that I've referenced many times on uh, many times this podcast. And I will include a, um, the link to it in the description of this episode. It's a wonderful tool. That's a, that's a great way to just really get your toes wet with studying the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic. And one of the cool features of this website is that not only will it tell you the word and kind of give you a general definition of how the word is used in the scriptures, 
it will also show you all the places that that word is used. Now, I will also oftentimes, or I'm sorry, I will say that oftentimes um, these words come from other words. Uh, for example, and I'll get into this in a minute, the word I'm going to tell you about in just a moment comes from another word. And so um, if you are studying a word, sometimes it can also be really, really helpful to see the words that it comes from to get an even broader understanding of how it is used in the scriptures. Um, I hope that made sense. But anyways, so I, I looked up the word, the, the verb for to have compassion, uh, to, to pity, basically, and to have compassion. These are the ways that it's sometimes translated. And, uh, and specifically the verb. And I just made a note of where it appeared in the New Testament because I looked up the Greek word for it in the New Testament. And, and I... Uh, and something really interesting came to the surface that really corroborated a lot of these things, what the speaker had said the night before, and also what I had read uh, in this article online. And so, for, but before I tell you what that thing is, I just want us to, um, let me just explain, let me just tell you the word real quick. Let's just start with that. So the word for, the verb for to, to have compassion is the Greek word, uh, and, and it's, it's a, it combines letters and sounds that we would not normally in English, but it's splugnitsamai, uh, splugnitsamai, and uh, and I'm sure I'm not even um, pronouncing it that well. But you know, when you see uh, certain places where it says he had compassion, that's going to come from this word. Uh, the word splugnitsamai uh, comes from, like I said, it comes from the noun splugnon. Splucknon, which is just kind of fun to say. If you're in a position to say it, you know, even if you're not in a position to say it, say splucknon. Now, just uh, this this is kind of secondary to the conversation today, but let me just tell you what splucknon means, because obviously splucknitsamai comes from this. Um, interestingly enough, splucknon, I'll just read you some of the definitions here. Bowels, intestines, the heart, lungs, liver, etc. And so let's just pause there before moving on. Not what you would necessarily expect when you're looking up a word that is connected to a word that means to have compassion. Uh, you, you know, and, and maybe, but just like the first thing that wouldn't that comes to your mind probably isn't bowels. But let me uh, let me continue to read this definition a little bit, and I will also provide um, the link to uh, the page where I'm getting this information uh, in the show notes. Uh, I'm reading here, and I quote: "The bowels were regarded as the seat." of the more violent passions, such as anger and love, but by the Hebrews as the seat of the tenderer affections, especially kindness, benevolence, compassion. Hence our heart, tender mercies, affections, etc. And so that's the end of the quote. And so we see that it is, um, you know, it's, uh, we use this in our conversation today, where if you were to say, I love someone with all my heart, you know, so we, we have a category for what's being described here, but it's kind of interesting because it's uh, this word, it's it's talking about like your guts, you know, your bowels, your intestines. And so it's like, well, what does that have to do with mercy, right? Like, what, what is that? Uh, how is that in any way, shape or form connected to, to your, you know, having uh, compassion or something like that? Let me move over to the the verb here, splugnitsamai, which is going to be the one we're looking at. And hopefully, this is making sense. Um, if if this part's too, you know, th this is this is kind of secondary. So, but just bear with me. I, you know, I guess I just want to explain the term a little bit. Splugnitsamai, the definition here, and I quote: "To be moved as to one's bowels, 
Hence, to be moved with compassion, have compassion, for the bowels were thought to be the seat of love and pity. And that's the end of the quote. And so, yeah, you know, if somebody, if somebody were talking to me about, you know, if somebody said, I'm just moved as to my bowels, like if they said that to me, the first thought (laughs) that came to my mind would not be what a compassionate person. I would be like, um... You know what? I'm not even fully sure what I would say. I would probably just point him in the direction of the uh, restroom, obviously. But moving on, um, I you can kind of think about this because the idea is that you you feel something so deeply that you it's almost like a visceral, physical experience. Like it's you you feel it deep, deep inside. It's something that actually because you know this, you know that emotions will. Um, um, affect how you feel physically when you're feeling anxious your test your your chest tightens up um and for example and so we're talking about this deep feeling of compassion and you felt this think about a time think about this let me just give you an example because this maybe will help it um if you can think of a time where you had such pity such compassion on an individual that you felt it in your gut and you felt it so strongly that you were moved to do something for that person, not just move to say, Oh, I hate that for that person, but you were moved. You're like, I have to help them. Like whatever it is. It could have been like, if you passed a homeless guy or something like that on the side of the road and you were just like pierced to the heart for some reason, something about this person and you pulled over and you, you know, bought this person food or spent some time with them, helped meet a need they had like that's, that's Blugnitsamai, I would say. It's just, you were, you felt this very deeply and you did something. And so this is coming back, looping back all the way around to what we were talking about, empathy and compassion. This is the difference here. Compassion compels us to act. It's not content with just feeling it has, it says that person is suffering and I can help them and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's uh, it's still got that emotional component, of course, but it works itself out into behaviors. So having said that, that's the big difference. And so now whenever I was surveying the scriptures, like I said, I looked up all these scriptures about um, uh, about um, where this word splachnitsamai uh, is used uh, to have compassion, where the, the verb to have compassion is used in the New Testament, and something very interesting emerges. And you'll see that as we go through these examples, because there are not too many of them. But, um, and I don't know if I'll go through all of them or not. We'll see how we're doing on time. But what's interesting is when this word is used, it's connected, like we've been saying to this point, to action. It's connected to um, the person who is being described as feeling it, doing something about it, about the situation. And that's exactly what we're talking about. It works itself out into action. So so enough of a, a description here. Um, the first place that it appears in the New Testament is going to be Matthew 9, 36. Let me read Matthew 9.36 here. It says, uh, in fact, let me back up to Matthew 9.35, and I'll just read through 36 into a few more verses. It says, beginning in Matthew 9.35, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So let's pause there. That was after verse 36. He says, it says that he had compassion for them. That's, that's, that's our word right there. He had compassion. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So what did he do? Did he just look at them and say, bless their heart. I, I just hate that for them. Let's, let's go on through the rest of Matthew 9 and also into Matthew 10 a little bit. Resuming in Matthew 9, 37, 
It says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then moving into chapter 10, it goes on and it says, And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven... The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. And it keeps on going. I could read more verses, but that was through um, chapter 10, verse 8. And, uh, and, and you know, obviously, he, he told them not to go to um, the, the Gentiles or the Samaritans. We see uh, in Acts, after the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus, and the coming of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, the gospel... Um, uh, begins to spread throughout the entire world to this uh, again you remember what Jesus said in the beginning of Acts um, uh, he talks about how uh, his disciples would be his witnesses to um, Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth in other words Gentiles as well and so but at this stage uh, they they were sent uh, first to the Jews but that's that's beside the point the point is this what happened what happened? Jesus looks out of the crowds. It says he feels compassion for them. He tells his disciples to pray that the Lord would send more laborers into the harvest. So that led to, you know, prayer, pray, or telling his disciples to pray it led to that action. And then he sends out the 12 into these different towns, cities, and villages. Or what do they do? They proclaim, you know, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They heal the sick, they raise the dead, they cleanse lepers, they cast out demons. And so we see that, you know, then he sent out the 12. And so, well, what happened? This compassion that he felt in John 9, I'm sorry, Matthew 9, excuse me, uh, led to behaviors. It led to something actually being done. Um, I want to go through some more. I'm not going to spend as much time on each of the the passages as I just did that one. Matthew 14, 14. says, I'll begin in Matthew 14, 13. It says, now when Jesus heard this, this when, it, when it says he heard this, he's talking about, it's talking about the death of John the Baptist. It says, um, now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot uh, from the towns. Then Matthew 14, 14 says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. And so then, and then what? He had compassion on them. And then the verse goes on and healed their sick. Okay. He had compassion on them. And so what did he do? He healed their sick. Moving on, it says in verse 15, Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. To which Jesus says, um, so you're, and then moving down in verse 16, it says, uh, But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. And then, of course, this this comes into the, um, we only have five loaves and two fish here. And then Jesus, of course, multiplies it and feeds 5,000 people. Uh, which, by the way, 
5,000 is the only, only refers to the number of men there. It says down in Matthew 14, 21, it says, and those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. It explicitly says that. And so when we say he fed 5,000, he actually fed much more than 5,000 because that's just counting the adult males. So, but the, but we say this, we, he, he had compassion. So what did he do? He healed their sick, right? He, he healed their sick and he, and then he fed them. He didn't send them away hungry. Okay. So it, it led to behaviors. Matthew 15, next chapter, Matthew 15, it says, beginning in verse 32, then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? Uh, and Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? They said seven and a few small fish. He took the seven loaves and the fish and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. Uh, and then uh, the, the passage wraps up after that. And so I, I read that many verses just to show you that, no, I'm not reading the feeding of the 5,000 again. That was in the previous chapter. This is a different instance where he fed 4,000 men plus the, the women and children. So however many that actually was. And so, again, the number 4,000 explicitly states it was referring to the adult males there. And so, which is just kind of funny, you know, in Matthew 14, he does this. In Matthew 15, they're faced with like, you know, Jesus says they've been with me three days and, uh, and, uh, and they have nothing to eat. I'm un- I'm unwilling to send them away hungry. And the disciples are like, what are we going to do? And, you know, we as the readers are like, dude, like what just happened, you know, with the 5,000 It's like, come on now. You know, it's like this, you, you've, you've been here before. Like we, we know we've seen Jesus multiply uh, bread and fish before. Um, but before we're too hard on the disciples, we do the same thing and we have to learn the same lessons over and over and over again before they really stick. And so, but I just want you to see something about this example before we move on to the next one. So we see that what Jesus was, his compassion, he said, um, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me three days and have nothing to eat. So he, he feels for them, but then listen to what it says. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Jesus says, you know, I, I, he, he feels for these people. He, he has a, um, he feels for them because they're hungry. They don't have food. But then he takes it the next step into the realm of compassion and says, and I am unwilling to send them away hungry. So we see the compassion is both the feeling and the action where he, he, he did something. He, he met the need. He helped them. And I just love that word. I am unwilling. Like, do you feel, um, do you feel the weight of that? You know, he says, I'm unwilling to send them away hungry. It, it wasn't open for discussion. He's like, I'm unwilling to do this. And what does that show us? Y'all, that shows us how compassionate our Lord is. Isn't that wonderful? He says, I am, I am unwilling to send them away hungry. He himself, he said, he said, I have compassion on the crowd. So that's, that's another example. That compassion led to action. Um, Matthew 18, 27. And, uh, and again, I don't know if I'm going to go through all of these. I'm just trying to illustrate the point. This is the parable of the unforgiving servant. Uh, I'm not getting to all that Jesus told a parable in response to a brief conversation that he and Peter had about, um, when Peter was asking him how many times, uh, he should, he needs to forgive someone. It says, uh, well, earlier just Peter says, you know, how often, uh, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times. 
And uh, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And then he um, transitions immediately into this parable where there's this servant who owes. I've talked about this in a different episode. I, um, I forget the actual episode number, but I will put that in the show notes um, where that's that talk specifically about this parable. But what happened is, of course, he, he has this huge sum of money. He can't pay his master. And it says in verse 25 of Matthew 18, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and the uh, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. That was verse 26. Now notice verse 27, what it says. And out of pity for him, out of pity for him, that's going to be our word. Splagnitsamai also translated, uh, translated as to have compassion for. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave his debt. That pity, that compassion, that it worked itself out into something. Um, Matthew 20, uh, beginning in verse 29. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And then listen here, verse 34 of Matthew 20. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. So in pity, in pity, compassion is like this uh, this motivating force within us that leads us to do things for the benefit of other people. And it's I mean, obviously, this is another way of just saying love, love. Um, but we see he didn't just say, oh my gosh, it must be so hard being being blind and having to sit here and beg. I just, I hate that for you. I'm so sorry. And Jesus did something. He did something to help them. He opened their eyes. Um, Mark 1. Mark 1, it says, um, and I really love this. Uh, I really love this. Uh, Mark 1, beginning of verse 40, and a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Verse 41, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Uh, and of course, uh, and immediately the leprosy left him and he was made, uh, and he was made clean. And so then the passage goes on further, but the point is just, it says moved with pity. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. What I love about this is Jesus did not need to touch him. Jesus healed many people with a word. We see examples of people being healed when Jesus isn't even present. Jesus didn't need to touch him, but he put his hand on this leper and a leprosy was a very isolating condition. Um, because, you know, you, you didn't want to, to spread it. And so for him to feel the touch of another human being, that was, it was unnecessary from a healing perspective, but it just reflects the compassion of Jesus Christ. In pity, moved with pity, is the way it says, moved with pity. And so Jesus, again, didn't just feel, he did something. And so, I mean, I, I could, I could really keep going on. I, I, there are more and more examples here. Um, let me just, uh, let me just give you two more. Actually, um, I mean, I, I'll put these in the in the episode description. The, those are some of the scriptures I haven't had a chance to get to are Mark six thirty four, um, Mark uh, Mark six thirty four, Mark eight two, uh, Mark nine twenty two, uh, and in that one, somebody's actually asking for help from Jesus, and 
he says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. It's, it's the father with the son who has the unclean spirit when Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. But notice even his request. He says, he says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. We see how this word compassion, how it is, uh, is connected to action. Um, then there's Luke seven thirteen, And then I just want to talk about these last two really quickly. Just very briefly, Luke ten thirty three says, um, this is the parable of the Good Samaritan. We're familiar with this story. Jesus tells this parable um, uh, in response to somebody asking him, uh, who is my neighbor? So we, we know, we, we're familiar with this story. It's probably one of those popular parables in the entire Bible. Um, I mean, even the phrase Good Samaritan has worked its way into the vernacular just of, of even the unbelieving world entirely. Although I'm not saying that everybody who uses the phrase "good" phrase "good Samaritan" has any idea what a Samaritan is, but, <laughs> anyways, um, so we know that uh, in in the parable um, that there uh, was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Some robbers uh, mugged him, beat him up, left him half dead laying there on the road, and of course a priest comes by and passes on the other side, and then a Levite comes by, passes on the other side, does the exact same thing. Now let me just point something out before moving on. We are not told what the priest or the Levite does or does not feel. We're told what they do. And so my point is this, they could be feeling brokenhearted for this guy. They could say, Oh, I hate that. I hate that for him. Like I just, it breaks my heart to see somebody like this. It doesn't say what they felt. And my point is this, there could have been empathy, but there wasn't any compassion. Now moving on, we see that a Samaritan comes along in uh, verse 33 of Luke, uh, Luke 10. It says, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. There's our word. And so what does it do? Of course, we know that the Samaritan takes it upon himself to save this guy's life. He, he binds up his wounds. Um, he, you know, puts him on his own animal and brings him to an inn to take care of him. He leaves him at the inn and, and leaves money and gives it to the innkeeper, telling him to take care of him and promises to give him more money if, if more money is spent taking care of this guy. And so he's the one who had compassion. And so who knows what the others felt? That's not the point. He's the one who actually did something. The emotion worked itself out into behavior. Now, I mean, I'm not reading into the text. I don't know if the priest or the Levite, I mean, again, it's a parable. It's, it's a parable. We're not told what they did or did not feel. My point is, even if they felt something but didn't do something, it still felt short of compassion. And then the last example I want to hit really quickly is, of course, the prodigal son. We know the story. He he goes off with his share of the inheritance, wastes it all. There's a famine. He decides to come back. And on his way back, it says in verse 20 of Luke 15, it says, And he arose and came to his father, but while his but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And so we see he felt compassion, and then therefore what did he do? He ran to him, he embraced him, and he kissed him. And he goes on to fully restore his son. And so this is that was just a survey of where the the word the verb splug, uh, I feel like I have to pause every time I start saying that word because it's so hard to say. Uh, in fact, I'm going to write it out in the show notes just so you guys can can join me in this struggle and and see what I mean when I'm trying to pronounce this word because it's just got we just don't organize letters the way these letters are organized. It, but anyways, not in the English language at least. But. My point is just that these passages show us that it is indeed compassion is connected to activity. And so I've shared recently that, um, you know, I I think it was in the last episode that I, uh, the Lord's really been dealing with me about love. 
and how I see in me a lack of love for people in general. Now, I mean, of course, I mean, of course, I, I love my family and, and, and stuff like that. But, but, you know, Jesus said, he said, um, let's hear, I'm looking here in Matthew 5, 46. But if, uh, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And so it's one of these things where I'm just like, I, the Lord has shown me that I just, just towards people in general, if I'm being honest, I have um, ways that I need to grow. Now, this is part, and, I, and so I've been asking the Lord to help me with that, asking me, asking him to give me his heart for people and just help me to grow in this. And, um, and uh, I, there are, there are some people in my life that I've realized through this process that I had been showing them a lot of empathy, but very little compassion. They have, um, they, they would uh, run into trials, um, self-inflicted many times, and I would kind of get in it with them. And I would, you know, uh, if they were having a hard time and, and these are people who, at least some of the examples I'm thinking of are people who have been dealt pretty hard hands. Um, but and so I'd get in there and I would, uh, you know, affirm them, try to encourage them, try to comfort them. And, uh, but it wouldn't move on to actual compassion. And this is what I mean. I would, I would feel with them or I would affirm with a, you know, their struggle and just say, man, I'm, I'm so sorry you're going through all of that. But in, in all honesty, as I looked at their circumstances, I, you know, have suggestions you know, about what I think they could do to change their circumstances. I, you know, there are, there are things I could share with them from the word of God that I think would actually help them if they would apply it. Um, there are things that I see them doing that is that are actually self-destructive and that they themselves are causing a lot of the pain in their own lives and therefore it could be avoided. And, you know, I, I see these things, but I didn't necessarily always take that step. I would just, you know, and there's lots of reasons uh, why, why, you know, you, you wouldn't, why somebody wouldn't do this sometimes. I mean, sometimes if I were being honest, I've probably just kind of been indifferent. Um, or maybe I felt like I was too busy or something, but a big part of it for me is that I didn't want to stir the pot because sometimes, um, people don't necessarily want help. They just want, uh, they just want to be affirmed. And this is not a criticism. I realize that, you know, or I'm not, let me rephrase that. I'm not trying to insult anybody. I'm trying to make an observation that may not be fun to hear. And so let me put myself at the front of this list. I myself have realized that there have been plenty of times that I've wanted empathy, but not compassion. I've wanted people just to affirm what I was feeling and kind of just, you know, um, agree with me, but not necessarily to um, tell me what I needed to hear. And so with these people, I realized like, oh, I, I know I can just, from my interaction, I see things that could change in their life that would really help them. Um, I, I, I have, you know, I believe insights from the scriptures that could really help them. Um, but here's the thing. Sometimes people really push back. And so if you start doing this with people, if you start doing grace and truth, not just grace, um, then one of two things is probably going to happen with the people uh, in kind of the category that I'm talking about right now, where it's just kind of recurring things over and over and over again. One of two things, either one, they'll begin to apply the material and see some changes and benefits, right? That's one of the things. Or the alternative is they'll probably stop reaching out to you because they're not getting quite what they want. But either way is, is, is okay. And it's good that you, that we have compassion. It's very, very good that we have compassion. It's, it's a very necessary and important thing. And it, as we can see, it, it's like it, we look like the Lord when we're doing that. 
it's, I mean, this is, this is what we're told to do. Uh, Colossians three twelve through 14. Listen to this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so walking in, excuse me, walking in compassion is a vital component of what it means to love. Empathy is just basically grace without truth, as I've said. And like I've said, one thing I wrote down is don't just feel help. Don't just feel help. And what I have realized that a lot of times with empathy, I have just been trying to avoid stirring the pot, making people mad at me by saying things that would be good for them to hear. And I have frankly just been doing the bare minimum like checking off a box be like okay I was, I was nice enough to them that I can move on as opposed to actually getting in it with them and helping them and that's just one example that's like one way that we can see compassion played out um, one way that I see that this is how the Lord showed it to me and really spoke to my heart that is in this arena when it comes to not saying things that might be a little difficult to hear or lovingly challenging so how someone is thinking because I was honestly afraid of them choosing to become upset with me as a result of that. But it's just, this is, um, this is a major component of love where I've needed to grow. And this is what I know. If God has said it to my heart, it opened my eyes to it, that there are other people who are in the same boat. And so I'm just welcoming you to join me in this. I'm not sitting here teaching you something. I'm here sharing with you what God is teaching me and saying, if he's taught me, then he can teach you. If he's taught me and showed me this, then I'm sure it, it'll also have um, value, um, with other people as well. And so praise the Lord. Um, I'm thankful to him for his compassion. Uh, like I said, I will uh, include uh, a list of where the word, uh, the verb to have compassion, the, the, the references where that appears in the show notes. And so be sure to check those out because uh, through the course of this episode, although it's not been, been too long of one, I've made a lot of promises about stuff I'm going to put in the show notes. <laughs> so I'm going to need to listen back through this to make sure I don't miss anything. Um, but I, I hope this encourages you. And if nothing else, just remember that Jesus is compassionate. He's full of grace and truth. And I just hope that that causes your heart to swell with gratitude and reciprocal love towards him. All right, guys, I hope that you are all doing well. Until next time, God bless you.